And I thought, I wonder if I stood before God and I said to him, as Gideon did, where are all the miracles of the, our forefathers and, and so on in the church? I wonder whether God wouldn't look back at me and go, well, where is all the faith of our forefathers? Where's the faith? Where are the people that are taking me at my word? Where are the people that are seeking my face, listening to my voice, taking what I'm saying and running off into impossible situations and seeing victories and seeing miracles? (laughs) Where are the people of faith? Where are the people who have that heart that are prepared like Gideon, like David? like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, to go, it doesn't matter what the cost is. It doesn't matter what my image looks like. It doesn't matter what people think. God, you tell me and I'll do it. God, you tell me to get out of this boat and walk on that water in the middle of a storm. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let my logical mind get in the way. I'm not going to let my my reputation get in the way. I'm not going to let my theology get in the way. I'm going to listen to you, God. I'm going to hear your word and I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to do it. And I kind of feel like that's a really, really good question too. It's a really good question too. Where are the people of faith? The heroes of faith today. You know, we read a, 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 the odd story of a person does this or, or does that, and, and the way it generally works in, in, in uh, you know, I, I probably sound a bit pessimistic here, I don't mean to be, but, you know, uh, the Bible says that when Jesus went to Nazareth, he could do no mighty work except heal a few minor ailments. That's what it says in the Greek. He healed a few headaches and sore toes and ingrowns and things like that. I can tell you this, if I hold a meeting tonight and I heal a few migraines, ingrown toenails, people would call it a revival and everyone would want to come and hear me talk. Our standards are so much lower than what they probably should be. We should be believing God for things up here. Instead, we're settling for things down here. I could become a worldwide preaching phenomenon, write books, hold seminars, travel the world, talk about the time I healed that that ingrown toenail and took away that migraine and so on, and I could be put up on a pedestal and so on. But at the end of the day, where are the miracles of our forefathers? And where are the people of faith that we read about? The people of faith that God used to do those miracles, to see that stuff happen. So we've been talking about faith for the last couple of weeks and I want to stay on that pathway a little bit this morning. We want to talk a little bit about faith. We've, we've started off, we've looked at, at the, the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is always the character and the nature of God. It's always the character and the nature of God. God's actions and activities will change from time to time. We all know that, but his character and his nature won't. Okay? Just because God did this like this today for this person doesn't mean that I can go, well, because you did it like that for that person there, he's going to do it like that for everybody. No, he doesn't. I don't know why. I wish I could. I wish I could sit down with God and have a coffee and say, explain this to me. Why did that person die of cancer when I prayed for them, but I prayed for this person they were healed? God, give me an answer. I don't have an answer as to why the actions of God changed, but what I do know is this. The same God, loving, gracious, forgiving, merciful God was at work here as the same God that was at work here. His character and his nature never, ever changes. And if we can have our faith grounded in the character and nature of God, not what God does, but who God is, we will set ourselves up to begin a really strong Christian walk. We all know people that put their faith in what God does. You know, People come on, they get saved. Um, I, I, I can, can count on many, many fingers and toes and hands the amount of people I've known in my walk with God who have gotten so excited about God and, 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 and gotten so... Filled of, full of faith and believe God for this and, you know, God heals everybody and everyone gets... And, blah, blah, blah. and then all of a sudden God's not doing that stuff. And so they get angry with God. 
They blame God. And before you know it, they walk away from God. How can you walk away from God? How can you walk away from him when you've really had an encounter with him? How can you throw that faith out the window? How can you blame God? Is the problem with God? Or is the problem perhaps with our understanding of who God is? Perhaps it's, it's our understanding of the way God operates. See, God is never wrong. God is always right. He's God. God is always good. God is always merciful. God is always gracious. And God always has a bigger camera angle of every situation than you or I do. God sees things from a different perspective. And so we put our faith in the character and nature of God. And when we do that, it doesn't matter what God does. We won't be rattled. Because we'll always be able to go, God, I don't understand what you're doing here. What I do understand is you are good, you are gracious, you are loving, you're worth following. And I'll follow you. A bit like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. A bit like Daniel. You know what? We are not going to, to bow to this thing. You throw us in the fiery furnace. Our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, that's faith. That's New Testament faith. That's faith the church should have on the inside of us. We will follow you, God. We will do what you call us to do. We will live life the way that we are convinced we are meant to live it. And we will see the results of that. We will see the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the power of God. But even if in this particular situation I don't see it, I will still follow God. I will still go after God. And that's the kind of faith that we want to build in our Christian walk. That's the kind of faith that God can build upon in our hearts. And that's the kind of faith that we're aiming for. We've talked a little bit about all things are possible to him who believes. So you've got possibilities up here. All things are possible if you believe. But then down here, all things are impossible with man. This is impossible for man, Jesus said. But with God, all things are possible. And we're all on that journey somewhere between all things being impossible and all things being possible. And we're on that journey and we're traveling along and we're building our faith. And what best way to build your faith? I can't think of any ways to invest and to build your faith, then the basics, get into the word of God, pray and fellowship with other believers. Three simple things, but profoundly powerful in our life. If you want to know how powerful they are, don't do them for a month. Don't do them for a month. Have a look how you end up. We've probably all been there. I've been there. I didn't do it for a few years. I thought everything was okay. I had myself convinced that I was traveling good. Truth is I wasn't. It's not until I looked back in reflection and went, wow, I took those three things out of my life. They became not that important to me, and I suffered. I suffered. My faith waned. The fire of God was disappearing. I was seeing even less than the little I was seeing before then, which wasn't much anyway. You know? So we've gone on this little bit of a journey over the last few weeks. We've been looking at faith, and then last week we talked about how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes through intimacy. Intimacy. When we spend time with God, when we open up our ears and we listen to God, there are a lot of voices screaming at us, opinions, advice, and so on. Society, friends, the media, everyone's telling us something. But what is God saying? What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you about your situation right now? What is the spoken word of God to you? What's he telling you? What's he telling you? Have you asked God, have you asked God, God, answer me, help me with this situation, Lord, what are you telling me to do? What are you saying to me for this situation? Because when God speaks to you, faith rises. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to put out position 
ourselves in a position to hear the word of God. What's the best way to position yourself to hear the word of God? Pray, read your Bible, come along to church. Three simple things, yet very, very profoundly powerful. Very powerful. Today I want to have a look at some characteristics of great faith. Yeah, there's a couple of stories in the Bible. Uh, One in particular where Jesus actually pinpoints the person's faith as being somewhat above and beyond anyone else's faith that he'd ever encountered. In Matthew chapter 8, we've got the story of a centurion. A Roman, an Italian. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. There's one other person in the New Testament. Now, if you go back a, a, a forward a few chapters, actually to Matthew 15, and there was a, a Gentile woman that came to Jesus and got in his face and bugged him. And she's the only other person where Jesus uses this phrase, great faith. He says, woman, you've got great faith. And she comes along and she bugs him and hassles him and the Bible says that he ignores her at first and then the disciples go, look, just send her away. She's causing a bit of a scene. Uh, but she persists and in the end Jesus says, you know, it's not right for me to take the, 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 the children's bread and give it to the dogs. But she continues to persist. She says, yeah, but you know what, even the dogs eat the crumbs. And Jesus turns around to her and says, wow, that's amazing, great faith. So there's these two people that Jesus pinpoints have extraordinary faith. So I want to have a look this morning just at a couple of characteristics of great faith. What is it about this centurion? What was it about that woman that when they encountered Christ, he felt the need to highlight their particular faith above and beyond everybody else's faith that he encountered? He encountered lots of people with faith. We know that. According to your faith, let it be. According to your faith... Let it be. There were many opportunities where Christ encountered faith, but for some reason he highlights these two individuals and he highlights them as having great faith. So we want to have a little bit of a look at what is it about that faith that made him highlight their faith. The first thing we see there is that great faith draws on the grace of God. Great faith draws on the grace of God. Jesus said to this centurion, I'll come to your house. The centurion says, no, I'm not worthy that you would come to my house. I'm not worthy that you would come to my house. The woman in Matthew chapter 15, she comes up to Jesus and she begs him and she says, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. In other words, I don't deserve it, but I want you to help me. I don't deserve it, but I want you to help me. Great faith in the Bible is always surrounded by humility and grace. It's always encased in humility and grace. You know, this centurion, he was uh, a, a, a military official. He would have had under him at least 100 men, possibly more. A lot of centurions had more. He had authority. If he spoke, it was like the emperor himself speaking. You don't dare disobey the centurion. He was used to having prestige, having position. 
But when he came to God, it didn't matter what he had, didn't matter who he was in this world, didn't matter who he was in society. When he came to God, he came to Jesus with a respect. He knew who he was and he knew who God was. And he came to God expecting to receive, but expecting to receive on a platform of grace, not on a platform of works, not on a platform of his own self-importance, not on a platform of anything that he contributed other than the complete and total grace of God. And when we come to God with great faith, great faith acknowledges who I am and acknowledges who God is. And how many of you know God is not the same as you? Is that right? God's not the same as you. I'm not the same as God. I know that's amazing for some of you to imagine that. But I'm not the same as God. God is divine and I'm a human. One of the things that that I see in a lot of books I read about faith and a lot of teachings I've heard about faith, there's this almost this arrogance that if we have faith, it means that we're bold and we're confident and we almost put ourselves up on the same level as God. We almost put ourselves up on the same level as God. I am an heir to the throne. I am a child of the king. I am this, I am that. I have an inheritance. And you know what? All this stuff is true. But how many of you know that even an heir doesn't have the same entitlements as the father? We read the story of the prodigal son. We all know the story and the one son takes his inheritance and goes away. Isn't it interesting that that son actually still had to come to the father and say, can I have my inheritance? He couldn't just take it. The eldest son couldn't just go, well, you know what, because of my position and you're my father, then that means I'm going to take the bottom half of the paddock there and I'm just going to sell it because A, I don't think we need it and B, that way we can get rid of some servants and save a little more coin so when dad does pass away, it might be a little more money in my pocket. He didn't have the authority to do that. Even though he was an heir, he didn't have the authority to just go and make all those changes and all those decisions until his father passes away. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think God's going to die anytime soon. Do you understand the point I'm making? God's not going to die anytime soon. So I've got to be careful that when I think about faith and I develop faith, that I don't put myself up on the same level as God. Unfortunately, the analogies that we have when it comes to God as a father and son, and all the analogies that Jesus used, he had to use human analogies and human pictures, things that we could relate to. But how many of you know that, that there were principles that he would draw out of those analogies? They weren't just black and white, this is exactly how it is. And on a human level, on a human level, I think of a father a certain way, and I relate to a, a father a certain way. But we talked about the start of church, I've got this box here, of how I understand God. There are things outside of that box in a divine level that go beyond my human intellect to understand. There are things about who God is and the way God operates that are just simply beyond me. We sung a line in one of those songs there about the mystery of God. And it's the mystery of God that sometimes, quite often actually, God will do things outside my paradigm, outside my understanding and so on, because God is much bigger than me. And I've got to, when I come before God, acknowledge the fact that, you know what? You are God and I am still a person. It's not worm pride. It's not me going, you know, oh, God, woe is me, I'm nobody, blah, 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 blah. No, I am somebody. I'm important. I am valued to God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir to the throne of grace. All that stuff is true. But I'm not God. And I'm only all those things because God is who he is. 
And if I take God away from that place and bring him down to a human form, then I actually become nothing. Because I'm only there, suspended in that place, because God allows me to be there. Because God himself puts me in that place. So great faith draws on the grace of God. Great faith depends on the grace of God. It puts the grace of God first. It says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly with confidence before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. I'll come with boldness and confidence before the throne of grace, but I'm there to get mercy because I don't deserve it. So I don't approach God with this mentality that says, I deserve this, Lord. When I come to you, God, for healing, I deserve healing. No, I don't deserve healing. You know what I deserve? That's what I deserve. Within myself, if I want to stand there within myself, that's what I deserve. But when I come humbly before the Lord, God resists who? The proud. What does he give to the humble? Grace. God gives grace to the humble. And great faith is humble. Great faith depends upon the grace of God. You know, it's interesting that Jesus didn't rebuke the centurion. I've been in conversations with people and I've sat down with people and I've chatted and uh, other believers and I'll, I'll, you know, say, oh, you know what, I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm, I'm going through this difficult situation at the moment. I've got, and I've been rebuked for it. I've been rebuked for talking like I'm a human. I've been rebuked because, oh, don't speak that. You're, you're not, you're, you're not struggling. I am struggling. I'm having a difficult time. And you know what? God knows that. Whether I am honest with you or not, God knows. He sees my heart. I'm not going to sit here and lie and go, oh, well, I'm the champion, I'm king of the world, everything's great, I'm, I'm full of faith and power and I'm loving God. You know what? I'm flat as a tack today. I'm struggling. But I know who God is. And God is good. And God is gracious. And God is loving. And I'm not the one in control of my destiny. Thank God he is. Thank God he is. So great faith depends on the grace of God. It's mercy that God gives to us. Second thing is great faith believes that God is able. Great faith actually believes God is able. I know that sounds like a no-brainer. But did you know you're not going to ask God to help you with this situation if you don't think he can? You know that? That makes sense. If I don't think you can help me with something, I'm not even going to ask. Why? Because I don't believe that you can help me with this situation. Why would I ask you anything? What a waste of time. What a waste of time. The first week when we started this series of faith, we looked at, at uh, I think it was Mark uh, chapter 8, and the, the man who had the child who was struggling with the seizures and so on. And Jesus comes down from the Mount Transfiguration and he sees this thing going on and he goes over and he asks the scribes, why are you arguing with my disciples? And then this guy pops up and goes, I brought my son to be healed to your disciples and your disciples couldn't heal my son. And Jesus communes back and forth with this person and in the end, this person's heart opens up and they go to Jesus, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, please help me. And Jesus responds and he says, if I can, all things are possible to those who believe. If I can, you're asking me, can I do this? Am I able to do this? That's the real question. This father was struggling with a belief that God could actually do it. Let me ask you a question. How big is your God? 
How big is God? It's easy for me to stand here and go, well, God's that big. He made the universe. He said, let there be and bang their walls. It's easy. It's in the Bible. That's not the question I'm asking. I'm not saying to you, how big is God in the Bible? I'm asking you, how big is your God? How big is God to you? What can your God do? What limitations are there on your God? It's the same God. We've got the same God. But you've only got to read the Bible to see that he's limited in his capacity in certain environments and more so in others. He's limited here and more free there. You know, when Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth, what does the Bible say? They looked at him. What did they do? They said, oh, hang on a second. We know you. We know you. Your brothers and sisters played futsal with us. We, we know you. Your mother, she just lives over there. She actually cleans my mother's clothing. You, you, I've got a table in my kitchen. You made that a couple of years ago. You're just like me. God, you've got about the same capacity to do anything as I do. And in that environment where they brought God down to their own level, he couldn't do much. The Bible does not say that he didn't want to do it. It doesn't say he didn't want to do miracles. It says he couldn't do anything because they looked at him and they brought God down to their human level. Do you believe that God can do things that you can't? I don't know the answer to that question for you. You do. I can tell you, I'll tell you a good way to assess what you really believe about God's ability to do things. I'll give you a really simple test that you can take in your own life. Do you pray? Do you petition God? I believe God can heal me. Okay, that's great. Do you pray? Do you ask him to? Do you petition God to heal? Or do you just accept whatever it is that you're going through and ride the storm? If the Lord speaks to you like he did to Paul and says, my grace is sufficient, and my power is made perfect in weakness, ride the storm, because that's the word of the Lord to you. God said that to Paul. I got a messenger of Satan buffeting me, and I went to the Lord and I prayed, and I said, God, take this thing away, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's the word of the Lord to you. Ride out the storm, because you've got the word of the Lord. If Jesus is going to get in that boat with you, and Jesus says to you, you know what, we're going to the other side, and a storm whips up, and you see him asleep on a pillow... Roll down next to him. Because guess what? You're going to make it. Because he said you're going to get to the other side. Go for it. Excellent. But I wonder how many situations in our life has he not said that? Matter of fact, we don't even know what he's saying. Because we don't pray. We're not asking. Lord, I'm going through this difficult... You know, it dawned on me the other day. <laughs> this is my own life. I've got a really bad back. have had for years since I was a little kid. I was in a car accident. The last probably... Eight months, it's got to the point where getting out of bed in the morning is is painful, painful process. I've got to go to work, and when I go to work, I've got to lift cartons all day because it's my job. It's what I do. By the time I get home and go to bed, I, I'm flat out moving. I'm in pain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It suddenly dawned on me this morning when I was in the shower having a shower, why are you not petitioning God to heal you? 
Why am I not asking God? I'll tell you why. Because I've gotten comfortable with it. I've got comfortable with it. We get comfortable with certain situations in our life. We can easily get comfortable with certain scenarios and things that we go through. We just get comfortable with it. We just accept it. It's not even like we, we consciously mean to, but we just do. We just do. Years and years ago, when we first got married, I used to have really bad stomach pains, this burning like a fire pit in my stomach all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Had it for years. Had it for years. We were, we were in a meeting one, one morning, and this preacher got up and he said, this, there's somebody here and um, uh, you've got a, 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 a pain in your tummy or whatever uh, and I want to pray for you. I believe the Lord wants to heal you. And I just sat there. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at them. I'm focused. I heard the words they said. I did not even think about me because I had been so used to that situation being there that I just, it, it was part of who, it became part of me as a person. I did not respond. I didn't even think to respond. But thankfully I had a woman next to me gave me a crack and said, Alan, You've got a pain in your stomach, remember? And I literally had to go, oh, oh, that's right, yeah. Because I had gotten so comfortable with living with this situation, I didn't pray, I didn't seek God, I wasn't expecting healing, I wasn't looking for a miracle. I just accepted this is the way it is. God had not told me, my grace is sufficient, deal with it. God had said nothing, but he'd said nothing because I hadn't asked. I just accepted it. I went up and got prayed for, Nothing magical happened. I sat back down. I still felt the pain in the tummy. By the time we got in the car and we left after having a coffee at the end of church, guess what? I suddenly turned to him and he said, I've got no pain. It's gone. And I haven't had it since. Praise God. It's fantastic. <laughs> but you know what? I almost missed it because I just got so used to having that situation in my life. I wasn't believing God to change it. I wonder in this room how many situations are going on in your world. What's happening in your body? What's happening in your finances? What's happening in your relationships? What's happening at work? What's happening in your mind? All these things that are going on. Are we going to God with faith, petitioning the Lord, saying, God, help. Lord, have mercy. Lord, do something. Lord, help me. Lord, break through. Lord, release your power. God, touch me. God, change this. Lord, speak to me. What do you want? What's my part in this miracle? What do I have to do? Do I need to put my feet off the edge of a boat and stand on the water? What do I need? Do I need to walk to the pool and wipe the mud off my face, which incidentally you spat in the ground and put on there in the first place, but I'll do it anyway. What do I have to do, Lord? What are you saying to me? What's your word to me? What are you saying to me so that faith can rise up in my heart and I can move out and see the miracles? See the power of God move. Get a testimony under my belt. So next time the devil comes and tries that same thing, I go, ha ha. Guess what happened last time? God did this. God did that. We can get so comfortable with certain situations, so comfortable with certain things in our life. We've got to break out of that. We want to be people of faith. We want to see the world change for Jesus. We sing the songs. We raise our hands. We amen it. We high five it all like that. Well, guess what? It's going to take a radical, radical shift inside every one of us to see that happen. It's going to take a radical shift inside the heart of God's followers in the year 2015 in Western nations if we really want to see the world change for Jesus. We can build financial empires. We can buy properties. We can do all sorts of things and I have nothing wrong with that. I'm not against that. I don't mean to offend anybody with that. You can have the biggest bank balances. We can do all this stuff but if we are not impacting the world for Christ, who cares? Who cares? We're going to pass on from here and what? Leave a big building to the next generation. Yay. 
I would rather leave them with a challenge of guess what happened with the previous people that were in this church. Man, they were moving mountains and they were calming storms and they were rising up and they were preaching the gospel and they were healing the sick and they were raising... I'd rather leave a testimony like that to the next generation than leave them with $15 million in the bank in a big car park. But no power of God. Because God couldn't find people prepared to exercise faith. Exercise faith. Trust him. Seek his face. What are you saying, Lord? And I'll do it. What are you saying, God? And I'll do it. Faith believes that God has the power to do the impossible. How many of you know the devil's not at war with God? You know that? The devil's not at war with God. He's defeated. How many of you know the devil's not at war with you? Did you know that? The devil's not at war with you. The devil knows his place. He knows I can only involve myself in your world to the degree that God allows me to. Consider my servant Job. Here are the boundaries. You can't go outside of that. The devil's not having a free-for-all. He can't just run around and do whatever he wants to do. He is defeated. He has been beaten. God is the ultimate authority. God is in control. God is on top. God is winning, will win, has won, is going to win. Win, 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 win. All the way. God. Do we believe that? I know you do. I know you do. And you know what? I want faith like that. Faith like a little child. Faith like a little child. (laughs) I know, you're not just a little child, you. Jesus was sitting there one day and he's chatting. And the Bible says that he said to a group of kids, come here, and these little kids came up and hopped on his knee. And then, just out of that incident, that one situation, Jesus then turns to the crowd and goes, unless you've got faith like this child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What has the child done? What's the example he's setting? It's a very simple one. Jesus said, come here, and the child did. I wish I could be more theological and dig deeper gold and gems out of it and make it more complex and twist. But I read the story, and I see Jesus say to the child, come, and the child comes, sits on his knee, and then Jesus says, see what you saw there? That's the kind of faith that I want my followers to have. When I say do something, just do it. When I say do something... Do it, because that's the kind of faith that God wants. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. But we're not going to hear Jesus say that if we don't put in the time to listen. Amen? All right, yeah. I've got so much more here, but we're going to finish up, and that's good because I've got a footstep forward for next week's message now. We can carry on from there. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, uh, Lord, for this morning, God, and while it, it... God, some messages are ice cream and jelly and some of them Brussels sprouts and other yucky vegetable type things that we don't like. And uh, Father, even for myself this morning, God, I I feel challenged, Lord, that I have so many areas of my world, Lord, that I uh, am just accepting that I know are not your highest, that I know are not your will, that I know are not what you died on the cross to give to me, Father. So 
Lord, I just pray for each of us in this room today, God. I pray that our faith would be stirred up. Lord, I pray that we would walk away from here, uh, God, with an excitement. We would walk away from here, God, stirred up to seek your face. God, we would walk away from here and we would ask the question, Lord, what are you saying to me about this situation? What are you saying to me about that situation? Father, we would stop just accepting stuff just because it is. God, we would, we would be, uh, Lord, stirred, stirred, Father, to even look a, uh, honestly at our own life. Not just what we profess, not just what we feel when we're worshipping or what we feel in the good times, but we'd have a good long look at ourselves. And with your Holy Spirit, Father, we would do some proper self-examination. God, we cry out to you with humility, Father, and say, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Shake us up where we need to be shaken up. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But Father, don't let us stagnate. Don't let us stand still in our faith journey. Don't let us plant our feet and do nothing. Stir us on. Push us forward, Father. We ask this, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's 10 o'clock. No, it's not. It's 12 o'clock, actually. It's 12 o'clock. We, we, we try to finish right on 12. Uh, tea and coffee up the back there. Please hang around. Uh, have some tea and coffee. Talk to someone you haven't talked to before. Get to know somebody. Could become your new BFF. Is that what they call it? B, is, that, is that what a BFF is? Best BFF? I don't know. I see it on the, you see it on TV all the time. The young kids talk about it. Is that, what's, what is it? Yeah, best friend forever. You could meet your new BFF this morning, you don't know. So have a great week and hopefully we'll see you next Sunday. Cheers.